I remember intensely the feeling that I had when I won my very first Commonwealth Games gold medal. It was such a big deal for Mr. King and myself. And I'd worked really hard for that. I did a best time by three and a half seconds to win the final so far in front of everyone. It was in front of my hometown crowd. And when I finished, I was so excited and I looked up into the stands and Mr. King was sitting there and all he did was <laughs> nodded his head with a smile <laughs> and you knew that that was a job well done. And that's the sort of coach that he was. This is Legends with Bevo. Thanks to Bet Odyssey, Renelec Electrical Services and Anytime Fitness Glenelg. And now here's your host, Bevo. Well, what an absolute pleasure it is to have the one and only Lisa Curry on Legends with Bevo. Lise, how are you going over there in Queensland at the moment? And, and thanks for coming on for a chat. Oh, it's nice to talk to you, Bevo. I'm very well. We are here on our property in the Sunshine Coast and we've just had a big thunderstorm come through. So everything's started to turn nice and green. We have a retreat running here tomorrow. So it's all looking really good. So pretty happy. Hey, what's the, uh, what's the retreat all about? That sounds fantastic. Well, about 10 years ago, I had this dream of uh, running my own retreats on a property. And then I found myself single and thought, well, I can't do this anymore because I, I really needed to do it with somebody. And then my beautiful husband walked into my life and he really bought into the idea and he wanted to do something similar anyway. So it's taken 10 years to get to this point. And two weekends ago, we had our first yoga healing retreat. And tomorrow we're hosting our second getaway retreat, a three-night retreat. We've got glamping tents, we've got boot camp, booty bar, yoga, entertainment, beautiful food, oh. um, food around the campfire, oh, under good. the stars if it's not raining. We've got a lot of indoor things as well if it is raining. But raining or not, it is what it is, and it's a beautiful getaway, relaxing weekend for people. That sounds unbelievable. Uh, can you come to Adelaide sometime as well? <laughs> Or you can come here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. When the borders open up, yeah. No, that's uh, that sounds fantastic. And uh, we'll get to we'll get to later on about your uh, happy, healthy you, which is your new business as well. But we're going to get back to your career, and we're speaking off air about this. And going back to the 1980s when you're a superstar for the Australian swimming team, and you spoke about signing your very first autograph, and it was a quite a funny story. Uh, tell us more about it again, Lise. Well, I don't really remember when my first autograph was. It was probably after the 82 Commonwealth Games in Brisbane at some point. But I wish I had a dollar for every autograph that I've signed. So two funny stories. Once I had to sign like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of autographs. So I was put in a tent to sign all these things. And I had my best friend with me. So she helped me sign autographs. And then, you know, as the years went on and little kids would come up to me and they'd say, can I please have your autograph? And I'd be standing on the blocks ready to dive in for a race. And I'd say to them, uh, yeah, sure. No worries. If you can just like, just sit there and I'll, I'll be, I'll be with you in a minute. So I'll do it as soon as I finish the swim. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that must, uh, must still make you feel proud knowing that you've got all these like little kids coming up to you and, and, you know, like, I mean, I've never been a, a professional athlete like yourself, but sometimes when I come up, people come up to me and say, oh, we love your podcast. That just makes me feel so proud. So the same kind of thing must have been for you, you know, when you, you signed that, that, that first autograph and you had people that knew you and were so, you know, in awe of what you were doing. Yeah, it's always nice. People are, people are lovely. And these days it's, it's less of an autograph and more of a selfie. <laughs> so regardless of whether I have makeup on or I've got morning head and look 100 years old, 
you know, you just do the selfie because, as my mum says, it is what it is. <laughs> I love that saying. I think so many people have said that the last couple of years with COVID. So. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny here, you know, because in the mornings when we wake up, we're on 64 acres, so there's a symphony of birds when we wake up and there's this one bird that, that kind of uh, makes this bird sound and it goes do-do-do-do-do. And we always say that's a mama bird because it sounds like it is what it is. <laughs> so we've got a, a bird call named after my mum. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> and, uh, and speaking yeah. of your career, let's get back to that. Um, obviously, you've achieved so much. You're a three-time Olympian, Medal for Order of Australia, a Sport Australia Hall of Famer, the list goes on. Obviously, though, it can't have all been wins for you, though, Lise. And do you remember the first fail you experienced and, and how did that make you feel? And, and how did you get past those failures? Yeah, look, for every race that an athlete wins, they lose 20, 30, 40 more. So my whole career, I probably lost a lot more races than I actually won. But I think there was a really big turning point for me in 1978 when I was, I was 16 and I was at the Commonwealth Games in Edmonton. It was my first major competition and I didn't win an individual medal. So I was really disappointed with that. When I came home from those Commonwealth Games, I paid $30 to go to a breakfast in Brisbane. And I listened to this guy come along and speak. His name was Dr. Dennis Waitley. And he had written a book on the psychology of winning. And so I went along to that breakfast on my own. And as in all, you know, motivational or inspirational speeches, which I do myself now, and I always tell this story and I tell people, it's really important that if you can take away one thing, to action in your life when you leave that event, it can actually change your life. And that's what happened for me then. So the one thing that I learned from that breakfast that morning was if I wanted to be better, if I wanted to stand on the dice, that I had to depend on myself to do it. And, you know, you've got coaches, you've got support staff, you've got family and friends, but no one does the work except you. So after that breakfast, I asked my mum if she would drop me at the pool half an hour earlier and pick me up half an hour later. And I wanted her to do that because I wanted to spend more time with my coach. And it was amazing because he was a really philosophical man and he would talk to me about all sorts of things, just life in general, before and after training. And the other thing that I was able to witness was Mr. King coached this little girl her name was Louisa and she was eight years of age and she was um, blind from birth. And every afternoon I used to sit there in absolute awe watching him teach this little girl how to swim all four strokes. And I just used to hang on to every word that he said. And, and I know now that he was a really instrumental part in, in my upbringing and in the way that I view things today. And, and going back to your career again, um, Looking back now, what was the first real big success you ever felt? And like back when you were a kid, Lise, and can you remember what that sort of feeling was like? And, and do you think that sort of set you on the path to becoming a professional swimmer as well? I remember the very first time I won a 50 freestyle when I was 10, and I still have that medal. I also got disqualified in my next race, which was the 50 meter butterfly, because I did a breaststroke kick. I didn't know how to do butterfly properly, <laughs> but I remember intensely the feeling that I had when I won my very first Commonwealth Games gold medal. It was such a big deal for Mr. King and myself. And I'd worked really hard for that. 
I did a best time by three and a half seconds to win the final. So far in front of everyone. It was in front of my hometown crowd. And when I finished, I was so excited. And I looked up into the stands and Mr. King was sitting there. And all he did was <laughs> nodded his head with a smile. <laughs> and you knew that that was a job well done. And that's the sort of coach that he was. And of course, the crowd went nuts. And that was the first of, um, you know, three gold medals at those Commonwealth Games. So I remember that. And then the next most important event that I remembered was probably my last event at the Barcelona Olympic Games at the age of 30 with two kids. And I stood up behind the blocks and I just thought, wow, look where I am. I'm 30 years of age, I've got two kids, and here I am behind the blocks at the Olympics. And I was in the best shape of my life. I swam the fastest I'd ever swam, and it was just incredible. So, you know, really be, um, at the beginning of my career and at the end of my career, you know, two of the most important races in my life. And going back to your very first Olympics, um, you know, what was your fondest memory of that? And what was it like inside the Olympic Village? Because you went to three of them. Do you remember sort of going to your first one and, mm -hmm. and you know, being inside the Olympic Village and, and what that feeling was like? Well, my first Olympics was in Moscow. So, of course, it was a communist country at that time and a really interesting Olympics because the East Germans had come to the forefront of a, of world swimming a couple of years before that. So... They weren't a force in swimming in 1972, but by 1976, they were winning everything. So Moscow was a real eye-opener. We would go to the pool and we would stand on the pool deck and look at the East Germans and we just, we didn't really know what to think because we were, you know, we were kids from Brisbane. We we're a pretty small team that went to Moscow and these girls were incredibly muscular, they had deep voices, um, acne, and we didn't know what to think. And they pretty much won everything. So Michelle Ford was the really the only one that beat them over there. But it was an amazing experience. And in those days, you only went to one Olympics. That was that was kind of like the thing. You went to one Olympics and then you retired. If you remember, Shane Gould only went to one Olympics. You know, Tracy Wickham only went to one Olympics. So it was one of those moments where as a teenager you think wow i've been to an olympics it's awesome and it was a communist games i think our interpreter um, fell in love with me actually <laughs> there he still sends me messages every now and again but it, it, it was an interesting experience the village was incredible you weren't allowed to take any food out of the food court because they they found some athletes were taking like you know you know plastic bags bags full of food and handing it over the fences to the people outside. So every time we went to the pool, we went a different direction um, in the bus. And, you know, and even even years later, we, we were in, competing in London and they put the Australian team up on the top floor of the building with the Israeli team. And because they said the Israelis would be safe with us up there. And we had guys with machine guns outside our doors and you know it's a it's a really incredible story it's um there's been so many amazing things that have happened and at the beginning of my career i swam against the east germans and then at the end of my career i swam against the chinese so i kind of had both sides of whatever they were doing as we know <laughs> oh, exactly right <laughs> and we heard some interesting stories uh, in the past I, I remember speaking to an athlete 
uh, previously from South Africa. And, um, you know, he was telling me about they were having water fights inside the Olympic Village. And, and at one and only Rachel Spawn, there was like nine, I think at Atlanta, there was about nine McDonald's inside the Olympic Village. And did you have any sort of funny stories like that with your uh, three Olympics that you went to, Lise? Well, the ice, I remember the ice creams at Moscow were beautiful. They were so good. <laughs> and be before you swam, you had to be, you know, you had to be pretty careful. You go to the buffet and there's like, you know, there's as much food as you can eat. You can eat, oh, well, not in Moscow, not McDonald's, but later on McDonald's, yes, in LA, but M&Ms and McDonald's and ice creams and every different bread you can find. And, you know, once we finished swimming, then we would go back to the dining hall and you would see the swimmers inhale the food, the buffet. Um, because, you know, as I said, you have to be careful before you swim, but afterwards it's, it's free for all. So really, I'm all this food because my, my friend in training camp before Moscow, she was a skinny little thing. She was 14, she was 48 kilos, and she got caught taking two bread rolls out of the buffet from our training camp. And the, the, the coach at the time, they called out to her and they said, Georgie Parks, what have you got in your pockets? And she was just like, oh, yeah, she's got two little bread rolls. <laughs> we, you know, we were almost, you know, we were, oh, we got in trouble a lot in those days. But now we can look back at it and they're funny stories. They're really funny stories. And I don't think, you know, athletes these days have any idea how primitive <laughs> the Olympics were back in those days. I love hearing them as well. And, you know, because I used to swim when I was young and not to the level that you've, of course, done, but, um, you know, I did squad swimming. And I just remember after swimming, I just demolished the all-you-can-eat pizzas and things like that. So I know what, what it's like to just be so hungry after competing. <laughs> yeah, well, you know how hungry you are when you finish a training session. You know, you just want to devour everything. But, you know, we were given um, a banana. And we had to eat that banana within 20 minutes of, finishing our training sessions so there's lots and lots of these stories i was just about to tell you a secret but i can't maybe <laughs> later <laughs> and we spoke earlier about uh, you signing an autograph let's go back to your own career from another perspective in terms of who was the most famous person you ever met lisa and it doesn't have to necessarily be a sports person it could be an actor an actress a musician it's always a, a good one to you know mm. to hear Okay, well, you tell me which is the most famous out of these people. I've met Mel Gibson, Russell Crowe, Nelson Mandela, um, Mark Spitz, Shane Gould. I had lunch with the Queen. I met Princess Diana. I had dinner with um, Prince Charles. Oh so goodness. you tell me who's, who's the most famous out of them. Well, personally, I'd say Mel Gibson, but uh, I guess the Queen probably wins that one, doesn't she? So, yeah, what was it yeah, like having, so. meeting the Queen and, and what's she actually like? Because you hear differing stories there was a group of athletes that were invited to have lunch with her at the Brisbane Commonwealth Games. And of course, in those days, there were no mobile phones, so you couldn't take selfies or ask for autographs, anything like that. So she was very, I sat across from her and down one seat. So she was obviously very polite and was asking about the weather and was asking about, you know, all the different events and just basic chit chat. Is, I mean, can you imagine how many conversations that poor lady's had to do in her nearly 100 years life? <laughs> She was lovely. She really was, as um, Prince Charles was. And Prince Charles actually said to me that, you know, the press writes so much rubbish about him. They never write about anything good that he does. And which I understand completely because they only like controversial stuff, don't they, press? So, so true. he was saying that he was doing so much charity work, but they, they don't like to talk about that. But I asked him about um, his kids and 
yeah, of course, that was a, quite a nice conversation. That is such a good point because I feel really sorry for Harry because I've heard such good things about him, you know, being involved with Invictus Games. and But all you tend to hear is about him and, and Meghan Markle and, and all the bad stuff that they do. But he does so much amazing stuff as well that we never hear about. No, that's right. And I think Harry's got his head screwed on, right? He, he knows he's not going to be king ever. So, you know, if he wants to live as normal life as you can, then I say good on him. You know, he'll go back and do royal duties. There's no doubt about that. He'll always be a royal. But, you know, I just think, you know, the royals are in such a bubble. It must be, must be horrible. It must be horrible for them to not be able to live the life that you actually want. But as they say, that's what you sign up for. So that's what you have to do, I guess. Exactly right. Oh, I met Sylvester Stallone too. And like, he was oh my, my hero. God. I used to listen to Rocky music before each of my races. And oh, what? I was so excited when I, you know, he was walking towards me. Uh, he's, much, he's much shorter than he looks, um, shorter than me. And I said, hi, Sylvester. My name's Lisa. And, you know, I loved your movies. I, uh, uh, and he kept walking. <laughs> what? I was like, oh, well. What a douchebag. I know. They have no time. I don't have any time for people, you know. That's that's sad. That's disappointing, isn't it? I reckon Mel Gibson would be the opposite. He looks he looks like he'd be a ripper. I reckon. Yeah, I I bumped into Mel um, at the toilets actually in the business <laughs> class, the first class lounge in an aircraft once. So we were just chatting outside the toilets, and I, I don't even know what we were talking about. Just random stuff, I think. You were recently quoted as saying, "Lisa, the past eighteen months, I've sat, cried, and ate, and now I'm paying for it." Tell us more about this this particular quote and, and sort of where that all came about. Because I presume it's to do with your daughter that that sort of came from? Yeah, look, the last couple of years have been pretty tough and I've, I really have had absolutely no motivation to, to do anything. And I am a motiv- um, motivational, I am an emotional eater. But things have to change because going through menopause as well, I have to pull the reins in and I understand that. And there comes a time when you just have to go, you know what, enough's enough. And I've got to start eating properly again because basically I've eaten shit and sat on my ass for two years. So it's time to change. That's understandable though, because not only, you know, have you lost your daughter, but you're obviously going through all the, the COVID rubbish that we all have the last couple of years. And I think a lot of people have been in the same boat as you, Lisa, have sort of been going through mental health issues or different situations and eating's been their only option because of these lockdowns and everything else. Yeah, look, I guess it's what you used to as well. And when COVID first started, everyone, you know, was doing the exercise at home. And after a while, it's like, oh, okay, this is going to be here for a while. So I might as well just put Netflix on and watch a movie and eat a packet of chips. But I think, you know, most importantly, you've got to enjoy getting up each day and what you're about to do. So having a routine, even if you're in lockdown, is really important. You've got to keep moving every single day, even if it's five minutes or 10 minutes or you know, do something on the hour, every hour. And, you know, eating is the, the most important part. So I know that, you know, the food has a lot to do with how we feel both um, physically and emotionally. So in my business, Happy Healthy You, we have a free eight-week eating plan. We have a four-week reset program as well. So we've got lots of recipes and beautiful plans that people can follow to get back on top of their health. And And particularly at the moment, you know, we need to be looking at our immune system and we need to try and boost our immune system through foods. And we have all that information on our website. So I better start walking my talk soon because (laughs) it's time. I just have to do it. Yeah. 
so people can find out more about um, Happy Healthy You by going on, on the website. And um, also you mentioned before you do a bit of motivational speaking. How can people book you as well, Lisa? Uh, they can just contact me directly or a lot of people go through speaking agencies as well. And it's something that I've been doing for a very long time. And funnily enough, after the Brisbane Commonwealth Games, I started being invited to the opening of an envelope. And, you know, when... When you win, you're expected to, you know, be able to, you know, sing, dance and speak. Can't sing, can't dance. So I had to learn how to speak on the stage. And it's been something I've been doing for, you know, 40 years and I love it. And, you know, I can speak all day, any day to anyone. So give me a topic, I'll just chat a box about it. So I really love what I do and I love the feedback that I get. And I know that my voice can actually change lives. So, you know, people book me for private events or they book me for, you know, corporate events. And, uh, yeah, I just love it. It's really good. Speaking of loving things, uh, my favourite show is SAS Australia. And, of course, we saw the one only Jack Kenny doing great things on there recently. What was it like seeing him on the show and getting yelled at by those those star fleets? (laughs) Yeah, look, he did really well. He was kicking himself that he VW'd, but he had nothing in the tank. He doesn't eat fish, he doesn't eat oats, and he ate his first banana on that show. Do you believe it? He's always been a really picky eater, but his tank was empty. And if you watch him from day one, he went really hard from day one. Like he didn't hold back. He was, you know, he was taking a lot of the load for the the team as it was, but I'm really proud of him for the, the young man that he is. He's so polite, he's so humble. And uh, I think he did a, I think he did a really good job. But I've got to say though, how funny are those one-liners from the staff? <laughs> I sit there and watch the, the like the tapes that they put on and just laugh my head off. They have the best one-liners ever. They're but, amazing. Um, yeah, look, he said he was beaten by, beaten by a fish, but he does understand that in real life combat, he would have, he would have barbecued that mouse that ran along the floor if, if it got to that. So he's fully aware of what the show's about. Um, but he was still competing as well. So on an empty tank and continuing on, he he didn't want to injure himself either. What I found really fascinating as well was with the the staff, how they just yell and go absolutely ballistic at the you know at the contestants or you know whatever you want to call them celebrities. Um, and then when we saw in the reunion, they're smiling, they're joking, and they've got this real other side to them, don't they? Which is really interesting to see. Yeah, and you don't see that side of them on the show, but they're human beings as well. They're just you know, they're making a TV show and it's got to be exciting. But, you know, I, I said to Jet before the show, I said, you know that they're going to come up to your face this close and they're going to scream and swear at you. And he goes, yeah, mum, I'm onto it. I know what's going on. So, <laughs> you know, I, there's so many funny, oh, my God, there were so many funny spots in there. Uh, Mark Philippoussis in his sandwich. That goes down in history. is one of the funniest things I've ever, ever seen. And, you know, when they took the... the the um the black hoods off them and Aaron smiled and he says what the fuck are you smiling at it was so funny but um yeah it was it's a great show I love it I love it sometimes I think I'd love to do it too but I can't even jog 10 meters I'm such an old granny that's why I was a good in the pool because my legs don't work on land well Kerry Kerry Potass is on there I reckon you could go right Lise (laughs) oh if I was given maybe 12 months to train for it I probably oh you know what Always, you always think you can do well at it until you actually have to do it. And then it's hard. Like, 
it, it's hard work. You know, if you've got good lower body strength, I think you'll do really well on that show. But yeah, I wish they'd asked me 30 years ago when I was, was in really good shape. <laughs> well, one of the most uh, fascinating things as well, it's, it's probably a bit harsh, was you mentioned before that the funny things that you remember from the show, but when poor Alicia Mollick got pushed out of the helicopter, when she was like cheering and going, whoa, and stuff. That was, that was kind of funny, but so brutal at the same time. Do you remember that part of the show? Yeah, it was, it was funny and it was kind of embarrassing for her. But the point of the show is what would happen in combat? So in combat, you're not going to get up in the helicopter and go, woo, I made it, you know. Um, but they made a point of it, didn't they? And um, I really liked right at the end when they had to choose the winner, you know, when they say, who would I like next to me in combat? That's the person who would, was going to win. And obviously that was Sam. Yeah, it's, it's a great show. It's, I love watching it. And going forward now, obviously you've got Happy Healthy You. Where do you see yourself in the next five, ten years, Lise? What have you got to look forward to? Well, I thought at this point I'd probably be retired, but I'm not. My company, Happy Healthy You, yes, is going really, really well. We have about 20 staff. We have over 500,000 women that we talk to daily um, in all sorts of groups and emails and socials. And our products are incredible. Our articles are incredible. We have a really fantastic online assessment that people can fill in and, and they get a report back that shows them exactly where they are at this point in time and then take chunks out of that report and work on that yourself in baby steps. So we're really proud. My business partner, Jeff Butterworth and I, we've known each other since the early 90s and we're really proud of what we've achieved and we have provided a platform for hundreds of thousands of women to be supported and educated and inspired and feel like they belong somewhere um, and they can go on there and, and talk about anything, any sort of health issues that they have. And it's such, you know, I'm so happy that I'm part of this company because it's something I've wanted to do since I was at school. You know, I always wanted to go to phys ed college and be a teacher. And I think in the long run, I am a teacher, but just in a different way. So our company is it's spot on. It's awesome. Wonderful. Well, um, wish you all the best going forward with the with the company and everything else. And what an absolute pleasure it's been to have you on Legends with Bevo today, Lisa. You know, well done on an incredible career, three Olympic Games. You've got a beautiful son, of course, you know about Jamie. And, um, you know, you've done so, Australia so proud. Uh, just keep up doing what you're doing. And uh, we look forward to speaking again in the future. Yeah, thanks so much. And I just want to mention my other daughter, Morgan, as well, who's a beautiful dancer and, uh, you know, two little grandsons that I have now from Morgan and I love being a granny and, and uh, yeah, life is good. Life is, life is interesting, but it's good. And we should give a shout out, sorry as well to Yvonne as well from Elevate PR, of course, for, for organizing today's interview, which absolute champion she is as well. Yeah. Thank you. And if, you know, seriously, if you want to talk to any of our staff, they are amazing at women's health issues. So you can ask them any questions about, you know, hormonal women. And we all know that we're hormonal at some point in our lives i mean men come and ask me if our products come in if happy hormones comes in blow dart form or 40 gallon drums because <laughs> they've got these wives at home that are hormonal and moody and tired and our hero product happy hormones really does the trick keep up the great work Lisa. we look forward to speaking again soon all the best all right thanks Bebo. thanks very much thank you so much yeah!